Welcome to the Faith Podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. I'm Pastor Carrick Butler II. We believe today's message will empower you to make Jesus famous in every area of your life. Here's today's message. Thank God. If you would please join me at Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. And Pastor Carrick swears I preach longer than he does, so I promise you I will try to get out of here long, shorter than he does so we can say I don't, I'm not that long-winded. I, I promise you I'm really not that long-winded. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. So Luke chapter 4, for the sake of note-takers, my title is quite simply, Heal, Deliver, and Set Free. Heal, Deliver, and Set Free. Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 16. And I apologize ahead of time. Downstairs, we, we use the, the New Living Translation of the Bible, so I'll be reading from the NLT. Uh, they'll probably show you on the screen the KJV, so it's the same thing, just different verbiage, because I really want your young people to read the Bible. I really do. Unfortunately, we live in a shorthand society, so a lot of times when you ask them to read, if it's King James, the first thing they do is say, I don't understand this, and they quit. So I believe that this is a, a smoother translation, very modern language, and I do think that it's true to the Greek and the Hebrew as well. Starting at verse 16. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. Then he, then the scroll of Isaiah, the prophet, was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. 20, he wrote up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. 22, everyone spoke well of him and was amazed by the gracious word that came from his lips. How can this be, they asked. Isn't this Joseph's son? One final, one scripture for right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Starting at verse 17. For the Lord is the Spirit. And wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I like reading 18 too. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Okay. Whom. The Spirit, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Let's turn back to Luke chapter 4. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The first thing we see in this particular passage is Jesus, particularly verse 18, saying, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. We just read in 2 Corinthians that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. As I was praying through what to talk about on today, 
I was honestly kind of conflicted because we're starting something down the youth to where we're talking about being bold and um, where we say that because of the price paid on cabbage tree, I am healed, I am delivered, I am set free of debt, doubt, worry, stress, and fear. By grace through faith to manifest the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God in my spirit, soul, and body. So when I was praying, like, all right, God, what do you want us to talk about? What do you want us to say to the adults? He said, heal, deliver, and set free. I was like, this is faith. Every adult in here, particularly on a Wednesday night, is already healed, delivered, or set free. Right? Are you sure? Oh, should we do like we downstairs? I'm fine. All right. Um, everybody's already healed, delivered, set free. But then he'll like walk by faith. Okay. All right. So in Luke chapter 4, we have here a situation to where Jesus is going back to around people who are very familiar with him. His childhood home. I'm from Cleveland, Mississippi, born and bred. And going home, you realize that these are people who, first of all, saw you at your worst, saw you at your best. And a lot of times, once you move away and you try to go back home, what happens is they may not always give you proper respect. I think that's the best way to say it. For the person you have become. Because they're a lot of times seeing you as the person who you were before you left. All right? So, going back home, um, honestly, like not too long ago, me and my wife, Tony, she's not here. Uh, she sends her greetings. She's at home. Uh, she's pregnant with our second child. So, oh, shucks. Thank you. For God so loved Reggie, he gave him two young ladies. So, I have another girl in the way. Bless God. Yes, I know, right? Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, I, I like dollars, too. You know, like you can pray and give, okay, at the same time. I'm playing. All right. Um, going back home, we went back home, and I was able to see friends. Sort of, kind of. They were friends when we graduated, but now since I've moved on, saw some things, we go back, we're not really connecting like we used to. So you all understand that, too. Okay. And so we have a situation to where, honestly, I was asking one of my best friends, is, is a pastor back there, he asked me to bring a message. And I went there, we talked. And it was fun looking at the face. They were like, is that really Reggie? It's like, because when we went to school, I really didn't talk that much. I know, right? I really didn't talk that much. Uh, I struggled, I stuttered actually horribly until the 11th grade. And so a lot of times what I would do is, like, I would write out what I was saying as opposed to actually saying it. So now going back home and having to speak to these people, it was like, oh, dang. Not only that, uh, the response was, because all they could say is, like, okay, I really can't believe what I'm saying, what I'm hearing. I know that's that same guy I went to middle school with. So I went to elementary school with, I definitely went to high school. I know I played football with him. I know he was there. I know what he did not say, what he could not do. But now here he is speaking as led by the Holy Spirit. Pretty bold. And the faces, their faces was incredibly. I was like, okay, this is definitely not Faith Christian Center. All right. 
And so at that particular time, we, I was personally faced kind of like what Jesus did. When he, when he proclaimed what God had told him, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to do this, that, and the third, I was saying as led by the Spirit what God told me to say, just as boldly, but their response was more like, that's Reggie. I almost can't take you seriously. Where did he get that from? And at that particular time, Jesus was faced with a situation where a lot of us go through, some of us when we go back home, some of us when we go back to work, since I got a lot of my students in here, a bunch of us will go back to school in a couple of weeks. Do I, because of the response to what I say, get over into debt, doubt, worry, stress, or fear, which are not of God? Or do I say, great is he that is in me? Do I remain bold? Do I remain true to what God has called me to actually do? All of us here, we're at faith. Pastor Carrick has, has a goal to reach more people for Christ than ever before. All of us have a part to play in that particular thing. All of, whether it be your job, whether it be your school, especially your school, whether it's college, high school, middle school, whatever. But unfortunately, the most uncomfortable thing God does to us is he tells us to go back to people who've seen us at, at our worst. People who know Every time they look at you, all they see is everything you've done wrong. They almost can't hear what you're saying because they see what you've done and they haven't received the revelation to know no man by the flesh or by the spirit. So once you come, you tell them what thus says the Lord God because you spend time praying. Right, students? Yeah, spend time praying. You spend time reading your word. My sheep hear my voice. You heard from God. It was confirmed by the pulpit, whether it was Bishop Butler, Pastor Kerrigan, or other one of the amazing ministers we have here. And so you know, thus says the Lord God, you know what he told you. So you go back to your situation, whether yours is, I'm a high school counselor, I work with the youth. Yours is your school. And God is telling you, what I need you to say is this. What I need you to do is that. Or worse yet, I need you to turn the other cheek. I need you to forgive that person that offended you yesterday. I need you to walk in love, be patient, be kind with that teacher, even though every single student around you wants to disrespect that person. So that my glory can be made. So that I can be made famous. And so in this particular text, going back to the text, Jesus had a choice. Do I get over into debt to these people? Do I doubt who God has called me, what he has told me? Do I worry about what they can physically do to my body? Do I stress out because maybe I got it wrong? Or worst of all, do I get over into fear? So I'm going to give you a couple definitions. Debt, a lot of times, we, we all think about debt as monetary. And that's true. But as we studied this, God showed us more about debt. There is a moral side to that as well. So it's funny because if you look in the Webster's Dictionary, Merriman Webster Dictionary, and you just type in the simple word debt. The first definition of debt is a sin or a trespass. Sin or trespass. So in Romans chapter 13, verse 8, which says to owe no man nothing but to love him, or in Matthew chapter 6, where it says in the KJV, forgive us our, y'all still here, good. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Part of that could be financially, but a lot of that could be morally. 
whether that is, okay, A, I owe you, Romans chapter 13, verse 8, I owe you my love. I owe you my respect. Fortunately, a lot of times, particularly students with parents, we struggle with that one. So actually, we're indebted to that person in the spiritual sense because what God is telling us to do in that situation so that his, his glory can be seen through you, not his glory can we stop because all we can see is you. He's saying, owe no man nothing. Give them what they deserve financially, morally, to maintain your love walk. Because my favorite example is a student who feels disrespected, whether it's by their teacher, by their peer, by their parent. What happens is a lot of times they walk around with chains. They walk around bound. They walk around frustrated. And it's not because necessarily someone did something negative to them. They feel that somebody owes them something. And so because they feel that that person owes them something, a lot of times what happens is they may come to my office, high school counselor, hurt, what's wrong with you? Why act out in class? Picture it. I was six years old, came home from school one day. I wanted to tell my mom and dad something tragic that really happened, but they were busy. This has actually happened. They can tell me the exact date, the exact time, probably to the minute. What, going, what was going on in their life where they felt like that they were owed something by, in this case, a parent or a peer teacher, and it stopped their love walk toward them. So because their love walk was stopped, now we know faith works by love. So because their love walk got stopped, now, honestly, your faith is, that person's faith is not totally functioning right because they have out against their brother. To which the Bible says, if you're standing, you're giving alms and you know or it's revealed to you that you also buy something, go and fix that first. So Jesus had an opportunity in this particular situation where he could have got off, okay, look, I'm not going to do any more or attempt to do any more miracles here. Of course, we know what he said in verse 23 through 27. No private step within their own town. But Jesus could have got offended. He could have stopped his love walk toward these people. Tuck tail and went home. A lot of other things that is not walking by love. Sounds fun to think that Jesus would do that, but what if I told you increasingly a lot of the representatives of Jesus does that on a daily basis? To where we get into debt, to where we feel like somebody owes us a proper level of respect, honor, whatever, and instead of us loving that person, turning the other cheek, blessing those who curse and spitefully use them, what we do is we try to get even. And now the love of God cannot be shown in that situation because all we're doing is seeing you. I talked to a local high school principal this past semester. It broke my heart. I tell the kids this all the time. He said to me, um, I would like a 
after school program because I, I went to local principal like, hey, what do you want us to actually do? How can we help you? How can we support what you're doing? Because I have a few kids that go here from that particular school. And he was like, I have more gangs, drugs, violence, and alcohols rising in my neighborhoods, in my school, than anything else. So whenever my students leave me, I'm terrified because I'm not sure they're actually coming back the next day. But then I think about it, I'm like, I got kids that go there. That means if I got kids, I got parents that go to faith that go there too. So then I look and say, where is the grade that is in me that is in that school? Why is it not moving? What's going on? Talk to the kids. I'm scared. I'm indebted to people there because once we're too afraid to speak out what thus says the Lord in the situation, then what we're doing is we're rejecting Jesus for those young people because we're not giving the opportunity to see him because he want to stop. Because, Lord, you can't use me. They're going to say, I'm that kid at the back of the classroom that stuttered. Isn't it that kid that was skipping school? Isn't this that student that can't get right? Isn't this the one that came from that broken home? Aren't you that one? Or they may pick fun at me, poke at me. Or, you know, all the things that juvenile minds go through when you ask them to be bold and go against the grain. Truth of the matter is, unless that's dealt with by the blood of Jesus, those juvenile feelings grow up. And those juvenile feelings, they, they get older. They may have more resources at their availability. They can do things legally and illegally. And most of all, they reproduce. But if those same thoughts, feelings of emotion, of debt, doubt, worry, stress, and fear are not dealt with, then all we have is a bunch of people that come here Sunday morning, Wednesday night, lift up the name of God. His presence is truly felt here, all around here. I'm so excited. We're feeling him in the, in the chapel so much more now. Bless God. But yet, when we go to our schools, it's not there. Go to our neighborhoods, it's not there. When we go to our malls or jobs, he's not there. My question is, why if we're there? That's why we're there. We may not be comfortable in that situation. We may be, once again, around familiar people, people who know our every mistake. We can do no right in their eyes. But yet, we stand before a guy who does not, my friend said, I'm giving his credit, who does not remember us like Google does. Like, like Google, yeah, like Google. Now watch this. All right. Okay. Cool. If you, how many people here use Google? Just, just by show of hands. All right. Now, how many of y'all use Google without clearing your search history? So you don't clear your search history, right? Now, so if you don't clear your search history, you go to Google and you type in, let's say, a couple letters. The first thing that is a couple things that pop up. One is the things you've done in the past, right? The second one is, is trying to do the work for you. So maybe you're saying this, you're saying that. Fortunately, once you come to Christ, that if you confess your sin, he's faithful just to forgive your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. God is not like Google to where every time you come to him, he's remembering what you did in the past. 
Now, now, now watch this. That's God. Everybody repeat at me. That is God. Repeat after me. That is God. Now, unfortunately, these lovely people look beside you that we sitting beside, look in their beautiful eyes, say, hey, how you doing? Well, thank you for coming out. This way you look at the person beside you. Hey, how you doing? Thank you for coming out. Love you. It don't necessarily quite work that way. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. God doesn't look at you like Google. He remembers your sins no more. Remember your mistakes no more. But unfortunately, people do. Until they see a consistent pattern of behavior that says the contrary. And that's what a lot of us get messed up at. I'm still talking about youth now. I'm not talking about adults, so my God. First here, chapter 13, verse 4. If you got it, say, I got it. All right, I'm just making sure you all are still with me and got quiet in here. So hopefully you all thinking. All right. Coming out of NLT once again. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. It's not boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Pause. Back up. Now, it's always fun to me the first definition of love is patience. Love is patient. So now as we are people to where we are not being indebted to other people but to walk in love, one of the first thing we got to do, particularly youth, going back to school this semester, is to walk in love toward everybody. Because they do not know you by the spirit. They know you by the flesh. So if we're not patient enough with them to give them time to see on the outside what God has done to you on the inside, then once again, people cannot see God through us because all they can see is us. And I truly do believe, personally, this is the gospel according to Reggie, which is, my, which is why they made a revised standard version. The RSV, that's the Reggie standard version. Um, when we face God, he's going to look back at you. What did you do in that particular time where I had you in that place? Yes, you were uncomfortable. I know. You were uncomfortable. I get it. But I allowed you, I left you there, I planted you in that particular situation because I wanted to shine my glory through you. But unfortunately, instead of people seeing me through you, all they saw was you. And now there was one more day to where we had to rearrange the cosmos, rearrange spiritual situations so that someone else can find them. We pray according to to Matthew chapter 9, 36 and 10, verse 2, in that, in that range where God, Jesus tells the disciples to pray to God, pray to the Lord the harvest to send labor to the field. God's looking back and saying, yes, I got them. They're faith Christians. They're all over the city of Georgia. Some all over the state. I'm all over the world. It's the love of God flowing through us. Or 
Are we holding on to past hurts, past disrespects? Things in the past that keep us boxing into what the, where the devil can make us a container instead of becoming the conduit of the blessing God wants us to actually be. No, a container versus a conduit. What's a conduit? Sir, something that water runs through. Yes. So something that it can, something can pass through. Now, um, my example, I've been using this for a few weeks now, so please forgive me, youth. Not necessarily water, but this buddy here. All right. First of all, what is this? What is this used for? I'm, I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Electricity flows through. I'm glad I asked some adults this because I tried this with youth twice, once here and once at camp. The first thing that said, to be people. <laughs> I, I wish I was making that up. <laughs> Both situations, we got youth from all over the country. They were like, like what is that? That's used to be people. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> all righty then. Now, <laughs> These things, only, these things only work if one side is connected to a power source, right? If one side is connected to a power source so that the other side can reach where it needs to go. Could you help me out, please? Would you grab this side? Yeah, we want to unravel this. Appreciate you, brother. All right. So right now, if I were to unplug Brother Mike's keyboard, I'm not going to do it. To unplug his keyboard and connect it to this power source, this extension cord, right now, and I asked him to play, would it, would it do anything for him? Why? It's not connected. It's not plugged up. But it's reaching, right? is out there, is in position to be used. This is a perfectly, it's a very long extension cord, way longer than what I wanted, but thank you, thank you, Brother Ison. Thank you. But it's right there, available to be used, but it's not connected to the source. But if I take this in here, I plug it in. Then we ask the same example. Brother Mike, plug up his keyboard to this in, it will work now, right? All right, so let's say he plugs in his keyboard to this extension cord. He's playing, but let's say somebody walks by, I know Brother Eric, he's Johnny on the spot, always in position. Thank you for that service, man. He's like, oh man, this is gonna trip somebody. Oop! The music stops, right? Okay. What if I told you that as men and women of God, heal, deliver, and set free, because the Spirit of the Lord is upon us, when we're in situations where we choose debt, doubt, worry, stress, or fear, or to remain, versus remaining in the freedom of Christ, we either A, are trying to reach out to other people without being connected to our power source, or we get plugged in, Sunday morning, we good. Praise. 
praise. Yes, hallelujah. You hit your car home. <sighs> Something happens and we disconnect ourselves. So now the people on the other end of our obedience, of our anointing, of the favor of God in our life who rely on us, they miss out. Because we forget, like Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. It's still there. Once we take, I'm talking about my kids now, when we take our Holy Ghost sanctified field cells to our classroom, we're in the back of that classroom with kids that can't get right. The Spirit of the Lord is still upon you. Once we're at home, we're on the computer, we're tweeting, Snapchatting. I'm sorry, those don't really happen here. Uh, once we're doing things on the computer that we know we wouldn't do, either A, your parents are watching, or B, I was sitting beside you, the Spirit of the Lord is still upon you. Once we're in a situation to where we feel pressure to give in to whatever that temptation is, the Spirit of the Lord is still upon you. The question now is, is he working through you or he's just sitting there? Now, let's go back to Luke chapter 4. So Jesus had a choice to make. Do I disconnect from the anointing? Yes, I see what's going on here, but do I understand I'm dealing with people who don't think like I do, who don't understand as I do? Because in 2 Corinthians, particularly verse chapter 3, it talks about that their eyes are blinded, that there's a veil. So they, they cannot see, not because they don't want to, because they cannot, because their eyes are blinded. So if a blind person was sitting here beside me, would I get mad at the blind person because he asks me questions over and over again? Or he's bumping into people, getting in my way. How do we get mad at the blind person for being blind? But way too often we treat people who don't know Christ the same way. I have a personal goal. Um, we've started, first half of the year, we started looking at schools where I got multiple kids in. Out of my youth, we got, I know at least seven schools where we got at least two kids in these schools. I have a personal goal. We would like to see every student at every school heal, deliver, and set free. Every student at every school. Now, that's doable by faith. But faith that works is dead. So unless, and I'm challenging you all, we encourage these young people both in word and in deed, to connect, stay connected to the source, and reach out while being a sounding board for them. Their emotional health, mental health, somebody they can come and dump to, I promise you by this time next year, I will be able to say, yes, every single student that we have at Faith that's a part of the youth department, we have a school group at every single campus with partners in ministry. We can only do this thing together. 
So we, I ask you, pray with us. Pray for the kids. Pray for their schools. On, on the 29th of this month, uh, me and Tony did it last year. We got, uh, there's a church in Powder Springs. What they do at the last 10, 11 years, they do a back-to-school prayer walk. Whew. And what they've done is they, they have reached out to the state, not state, to the county superintendent's office, and they have permission to reach out to every single school. So they're going, so I work in the schools, so about probably next week, week after next, I'm going to get this letter, get this email. Do you have any prayer requests? And on that morning, 10 o'clock on that Sunday, on that Saturday morning, we're going to get together, have a little um, praise and worship. We're going to go out to these individual schools, walking and praying over every single school. I personally, I, was, I signed up myself because my wife, pray she can go with me. I hope she can. We, we, we went last year. This year we signed up for schools because what, what we noticed last year, a lot of schools that got prayed for were not schools in our area. Was not. They're not the schools that the principal was looking back at me and saying, we need help. So guess what we're going to do? Intentionally target the schools right around this church and the one we're going to. Prayer walking them in the name of Jesus. All I'm going to say is I declare that every single student at every, every, in, in, this, in this particular school, them, their parents, their teachers, they are all healed, delivered, and set free of debt, doubt, worry, stress, and fear by grace through faith to make manifest the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God in their spirit, in their souls, in their body. And this house should be a house that's conducive to that environment. That's our faith. That's our faith declaration. Every single student at every single school shall live healed, delivered, and set free. Debt, doubt, worry, stress, and fear. By grace through faith, not just to be free, but to do what God has called them to do. But unfortunately, if they stay hurt, if they are indebted to other people, if they owe people respect, if they owe people love, it's not going to work. So pray with us in that. And that's just that. Man, that's point one. All right, now, fly through the rest of them. Doubt. Def- a definition of doubt is to waver in opinion or judgment, to hesitate in belief. James chapter 1 talks about that. This particular example, when they question Jesus' anointing by saying he's not the son of God, he's Joseph's son. He had a choice to whether he wanted to doubt whether or not he is who God says that he is by accepting who they said that he was. He could stay in anointing, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, or he can choose to say, oh, well, is it really? Well, I preached that message. I said you want me to say God, but the response was like, meh, at best. Because that was a pretty hostile crowd. Worry is to trouble, labor, or the toil to pain or to grieve. Matthew 6, 33, don't worry about anything. No, I'm sorry. That's, that's Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer, supplication, make your request known to God. Stress. Jesus could have stressed out in that situation because they literally had pressure on him because they tried to push him off a cliff. Fear. Fear. Defined as terror or timidity. 
God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. Now, if Jesus would have chose fear and chose one of those five particular things in response to the people's reactions, we would have never had a Luke chapter 4, verse 31 through the end of the chapter. Because his supply, the anointing would have been cut out because he disconnected himself from it. I believe that there's, there's some people in here. Either A, you just aren't connected. B, you were connected, but you got disconnected. Something may have happened, something did happen, or something is happening that's shaking your personal faith, trust, relies upon God as your source. We may have a situation to where we feel like that we cannot love the person beside us because of Reggie. You don't know how bad they've treated me. You don't know what they've done. You don't know what they've said. May have a situation to where it's like God is real. Why is this happening? Why is that going on? So as a result, we're not healed. We're not delivered. We're not set free our own selves. So I told you I was going to preach short and Pastor Carrie. Closing. If that's you. If you like Reggie, look. Um, I'm tired. So I stopped. I interrupted my connection. Why? Because life is overwhelming. Two, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said about me. You don't know how hard it hurt. You don't know what mama, daddy, sister, brother, I, you, honestly, you're right. I do not know. But God does. And he told me to, first of all, let you know that he loves you, he cares for you. So much so that he wants you to forgive them. Why? So that he can take the situation from you and deal with it on your behalf. But the more you hold on to that situation, the only thing that's going to happen is it's going to get worse. You can cover up mess. You can cover it up. You can perfume it and all, but if it's still mess and it's right there, it's not dealt with, it's still going to stay. That hurt, if it's not dealt with, that disrespect you feel, that lack of trust, whatever it is that's keeping you from walking in love with all men, keep you from living peaceably with them. God is like, look, I want to fight on your behalf. I would like to, but the problem is the stuff I'm trying to take from you, you fighting me to hold on to it. And the more you hold on to it, the, the, more, the less my grace, the less my anointing can flow through you. Because instead of you fighting with me, you're fighting me. So he's like, look, I hear you. I've heard everything you said. I've heard everything they said about you. I know every tear that you cry. I, I, I'm right here. And I love you. You still have worth. You still have value because the good work that I started, I will finish. I want to. But you got to let it go. You got to let it go. Because I want to use you. 
I really do. But the things you holding on to, the disrespect you think that you feel, I'm sorry, it's not fair. The disrespect that you're feeling, the way you're responding right now is not allowing me to fix it. And I want to fix it. Yes, I forgive you. Yes, I fix all that. But now I want to take away the scars. If you only let me do so. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that right now, if that's you, because I believe it's three people. Three. If that's you, God loves you. He loves you so much, he gave you his son. And you accept the son, you receive the, the Holy Spirit. Who is amazing, man. Who will comfort, teach, reveal things to you about them that you didn't know that caused them to act out towards you. It doesn't justify what they did to you, no. But if you see that it's a pattern of behavior, it's a pattern. And they were hurt, so they hurt you. But instead of you allowing God to stop it, what's going to happen is if you don't be careful, you will do the same thing to other people that was done to you. Because hurt people hurt other people. Whether it was a learned behavior based on what you saw when you, when you were growing up or something happened. I don't know what it is. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but what I do know is that right here, right now, God said, I want to heal you. I want to deliver you. I want to set you free. First of all, receive my son. Everything that the enemy uses to keep God's people living less than the position that we have, seated in heavy places, it was nailed to the cross. So when it was nailed to the cross, he left the cross there. So it stayed there. It's defeated. He has all power over every single thought or emotion that you are feeling right now that's keeping you from receiving his love. He's telling you, it's done. I've dealt with it. Let me have it. Not only will I fix that, I will heal you. As I'm healing you, I'll restore everything that you've lost, all the relationships, yep, all the relationships that you've lost, all the time. I'll restore that too. Why? Because I love you and I need you. I want to show you how strong I am. Don't let this thing slip. Don't go the rest of this week. And that burden grows. Once that old song says, what a privilege is to carry every single thing to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. Why? All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. So pray with me. If you can pray in the Holy Ghost, please do so. If you're not quite there, you're praying in understanding.
Father God. Father God, we thank you. We're honored to just be here. Honored, dear God, that you are constantly making what's right, what's wrong, right. And everything that the devil meant for evil, you turned around for our good. So, Lord God, I pray to God for the, for the people here. Thank you, dear God, for their love for you to come out on this night. We thank you that you drew them out here, dear God, to hear this word. So I pray when I fall on the deaf ear. I pray that person, dear God, that may be struggling, dear God, that, that may be hurting, whether emotionally, mentally, physically, dear God, whether maybe they need deliverance in their spirit, they need freedom in their mind. I pray to God that right now they would take it and take hold of it, lay hold of it right now in the name of Jesus. I pray to God that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, that the veils of their eyes shall be removed, dear God, so they may see, first of all, the beauty of your holiness. So that they can trust, dear God, how much you love us, that that same love, dear God, that caused you to give up your only begotten son on our behalf is still there, dear God, so that we push him to death, you may raise us up to life, Lord God. Lord God, I pray to God for that individual right now that you will touch them in their heart, dear God, meet them in that secret place, dear God, and that they will break the walls, dear God, down. They will stop blaming you for what the enemy has done for them, done to them. But they realize that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of life. Holy Spirit, these are your people. Pray to God that we will manifest your good, pleasing, and perfect will in our spirits, in our soul, in our bodies. We will be so intent, be laser focused on that. We will not get caught up in the affairs of this world. We will walk in love toward everybody, forgive everybody, every single thing, Lord God. And that we will stay connected to you. So that when we see you, you will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will now make you ruler over many. Be with me this day in paradise. And we will join the saints around the world in the great, glorious, dear God, the most amazing praise service ever. Just worshiping the Lamb. And we'll see, dear God, all the people who you place us around to be a vessel through which you work. And we will see them. And we will know, dear God, that we will bless the soul of seed. Thank you, Holy Ghost. In Son, Jesus' name, I do pray. Amen. If, out of respect, if you've never accepted Christ as personal Lord and Savior, I welcome you to do so. If you're one of the ones that say, well, I mean, he's my personal Lord and Savior, but everything hasn't been quite right. Gotten away from it. Whether life happened, you know, Reggie, it's just one of the things. I got busy, bills got behind, whatever. So with that intensity, I used to go to God when I don't really have it no more. Invite you. If you want to want to, I, the Holy Ghost, you talked about him. What, what's all entailed in that? Invite you to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you want, you may be visiting or you may have a visit. I hope you enjoyed today's message. We never want to close a broadcast without giving you an opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you've never asked him into your heart, you've never made him your Lord and Savior, pray this prayer with me today and mean it from your heart. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus is your son. I believe that he died for me, but on the third day, you raised him from the dead. 
Dear Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Save me now. Forgive me of my sins. Fill me with your spirit and help me to live this Christian life. If you prayed that prayer and meant it from your heart, we believe you've been born again. We ask that you email us at info at FCCGA.com. That's FCCGA.com to let us know about the decision you've made for Christ today. Have an amazing day.